Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I am Tammy and there is only Tammy, no Michelle today. Mainly because this was very spontaneous. Michelle and I have not had a chance to really communicate about this topic, but this is, I guess I'm just going to call it a special summer edition because technically we're between seasons. So thank you for those of you who are still staying with us, maybe listening to old episodes. I'm not sure what's happening for the next season, but we'll definitely be in touch soon to, to let you know. So yesterday or a couple of days ago, I posted on Facebook to take today to reflect on how you will handle like all the difficulties, the situations that are going on in the world. And then I said more later. And I said more later to just really like keep me accountable to doing what I am about to do. So this has been a really tough decision for me. And you, I think I put in the title, I actually haven't written the title yet, but this is a Roe v. Wade overturning, overturning Roe v. Wade topic. And when I told my husband I wanted to talk about it, he was like, "Um, what? Because he really is protective of me and he doesn't want me to get ripped apart on social media. And I really took that to heart and I've thought about it and prayed about it. And at first I was going to write a blog and he said, you know, somebody's going to read your first two sentences and it's not going to matter what you say. Someone is going to reach out and just tear you, you know? And I said, well, that's, that's fair. Let me think about that. And then after another day, and this was last week, after another couple of days, I realized I do better at speaking that I do at writing. And I thought this is the venue where I want to talk about this. So this will not be about my opinion. This will be about how we are handling this as women, particularly as women. And that's really all that I want to talk about. It's been a difficult decision. In fact, I just ate almost a whole bag of Cape Cod kettle cooked potato chips. (laughs) Yes, emotional eating. I can listen to an episode about emotional eating, which I don't think we've done, but, but, but they're 40% less fat and nothing added. So it's just chips and oil. So how can that be bad? Or potatoes and oil. But I tell you that just because I, I really do care about coming across in a way that is heartfelt. In fact, I just sent out an email uh, asking a question of a group of people. And I think that I may have worded it incorrectly. So now those chips are sitting poorly in my stomach. You probably didn't need to hear all that, but I really wanted you to know that it's just been difficult, but I haven't been able to let go of doing it. This is my third time recording it. Let's see if this is the one that takes. So I'm going to just start by asking you, you know, what are you passionate about? Like there are so many topics in the world that you can be passionate about. Passionate about Is it abortion? Is it mental health? Is it animals? Is it, you know, marriage and relationships? Is it children? Is it poverty? Do you know what I'm saying? There's so many issues in the world. And we are all, and I've said this before, I believe we are all tugged by different ones. If you feel like you need to be tugged by all of them or most of them, then that's just exhausting. And so I get that the the emotions are high. This is such an emotional topic. But I think the first question you have to ask yourself before you decide what you're going to do with it is, is this one that I'm passionate about? Is this one I'm willing to get out there and put myself out there for? And then 
I guess a follow-up question would be, what are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? Do you want this to be a topic that you talk about? Because if you do, there's a lot to think about. You know, I've been asked, what are your feelings? What are your views on the overturning of Roe v. Wade? But like I said, I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. So please hear my heart and what I am here for. What I am here for is to talk about the how we handle it. Everybody comes to any topic with history, with experiences. I mean, we all do. That's that's the way that we come to our beliefs and your your beliefs are built on your history, your experiences and the conversation about Roe v. Wade is so complex and involves women's rights and politics and morality, belief systems, religion. So if you think it's a simple decision, I beg you, I beg you to think more deeply or think deeper because thinking it's a simple decision means that anyone who doesn't agree, when we do that, when we think there's a decision, it's a simple decision and this is the way it should be, then it prevents us from understanding the way other people feel. And that sets us up for some pretty difficult conversations and and difficult things. So I'm going to set the stage for my story that, that brings me to not only my beliefs, which again, I'm not really going to talk about that today, but the way that I handle these things. So while I'm constructing my story, then I want you to, in your own mind, construct your story. How did you get to where you are? So some of this you might already know based on past podcasts. Um, I'll put some links in there in case you're just curious about some of the things that I say. But um, I grew up, like as a small child anyway, very, very Catholic. Like we did confirmation. We did first communion and first confession. This means things to Catholics, maybe not to others. Catholic school for a couple of years. And let me tell you, if you as a child have never walked into this dark, enclosed little booth that's called a confessional with this faceless priest with a scary voice, then you have not experienced true fear, right? Now, look, I'm not, I mean, it's been... 40 years, no, probably longer than that, maybe 50 uh, since that time of being that child. And things may have changed, I don't know, in confessionals. And I'm not trying, I mean, Catholicism is a very reverent, beautiful religion. But as a child, that part was very scary. But despite that, my parents, again, both raised Catholic, deeply Catholic, Catholic, their marriage and subsequently my life. Those were definitely far from storybook, but you know, truly who, what is storybook? I don't even know, but very far from that. So when I was about 10, my sister was 11. So it's just the two of us. They finally divorced after years of this tumultuous marriage. And I remember pretty clearly, some of the details are foggy, but I remember the first time we went to church after like the news got out. And this was in 1973, I guess, 1973. I get 74. I was born in 64. Um, The first time we went to church and my mom and my sister and I sat in the back because, you know, listen, my mom was was grieving. I mean, she was upset. Who wants to sit in the front of a church when you know it's going to be emotional for you? In a Catholic service, there is this processional. And I don't remember the priest and I don't remember the men who come up with him. And I'm sorry, but they have a name, too. But they come up the middle aisle Um, very reverent, you know, very quiet. But what happened on this particular night was the priest stopped 
where my sister and mom and I were sitting and told us that they were going to curtain off that back area and we needed to move to the front of the sanctuary. Now, I don't know what his intent was, if it truly was that that's what needed to happen. Although that sounds weird because this, again, I said this processional is very, very reverent. Why would you stop and say, hey, we're curtaining this off. You have to move. But anyway, I don't know what his intent was. But my mother was embarrassed. She was confused. She was enraged. We walked out and that was the last time we ever stepped foot in the Catholic church. That was it for her. And so if you've seen me at all or spent time with me, you know that after that point, and that was probably like the final straw, my mom moved into a life of bitterness from that point forward, though I will put a couple of links in the show notes. And so, you know, she wanted nothing more in her life than to have a happy marriage and a bunch of bunch of kids. And after she had me, she was told she would never have another child again. Well, at some point when my parents were divorcing or were just divorced. And I, and I texted my sister to ask her if she remembered the details, but she doesn't remember either. So I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but at some point in that process, my mom found out she was pregnant, you know, with my dad. And he, from what she told us, and I don't remember when she told us, but I know we were still children, he forced her to have an abortion. So I don't want to dishonor my mother or my father. Um, They've both passed. So I don't know what that means, you know, forced, but he did not want to have a child. And I don't know if part of it was the health risks for her. I really don't know. And I can't ask her. And we never talked about it. And so my, my point is, I'm rambling a little bit, but she never dealt with it. Like, I don't remember when she told us. I don't remember how she told us. I don't really remember what she said. But what I do know is, as an adult, we never had the conversation. We never talked about it. It was never brought up. And I know that that contributed to her bitterness because she did not want to have that done. She felt forced, for whatever reason, to have that done. And that contributed to her life of sorrow. You know, I say bitterness, which it was, but, but also sorrow. So I experienced some indirect effects. Okay, now stay with me because I'm not saying, oh, this is, I'm not making a judgment on abortion. I'm just telling you what my path is. And then of course, I led a life of just extreme mental illness until, until such time as, as I sort of healed from that. Although we all know we still have struggles. So what is my point of telling you this? Well, look, I get that there are strong opinions on this. So if you are pro-life, anti-abortion, I understand you. I mean, like I said before, it is not a simple thing. It does involve a baby, you know, a fetus, an embryo at some point. If it's, if, if you, if someone doesn't want to get one, they're pro-life, and then they they do, for whatever reason, forced or health or all the reasons that sometimes women get abortions when they may not want to, maybe too young or whatever, and then it's not dealt with, that's a horrible thing. So if you are pro-life, you know, it could be religious beliefs, the way you were raised, whatever it is, I understand you. If you are pro-abortion, maybe you've been raised with those beliefs that you are a women's rights advocate, which listen, I am too. And that's why I'm talking. I am 
all about loving and caring for women. Maybe you've been treated less than as a woman. You know, I'm, I'm 57. My grandmother, and I think about this all the time, my grandmother was born in a time where women did not have, like on a federal level, the right to vote, right? And, and my mom even had what she felt like was a lack of choice. So I understand how you could be on both sides of the issue. What is difficult for me to understand is if it seems like a simple choice, like we talked about before, that is hard for me to understand because of the complexity of it. Sometimes I think, what if I were that pregnancy of my mom's, right? I wouldn't be there. And we are talking about a potential child. So I don't feel like it should be an easy decision, if that makes sense with you or to you. It's very complex. Remember, we talked about this a minute ago. It's it's more than just, um, it doesn't just affect you as a person. This is us as a culture, us as women, you know, babies and all of the, you know, morality, rigid, religion, politics. And, you know, I have been treated as less than because I was a woman or am a woman. I remember speaking one time in an Islamic school, the principal would not shake my hand, look at me, or talk to me because I was a woman. He didn't realize it was a woman coming in, and that was the last time I was ever allowed to go there. I remember speaking in my church, different church, years ago, um, was asked to speak on a Wednesday night, and it wasn't until later that I found out there were many people who did not come because they didn't believe a woman should be on the platform. So I, I have experienced that, and so I hope I'm not I hope I'm not rambling. I'm really trying to make a point here. But again, I posted to reflect on how we will handle things, especially as women. And I put six things. Listen, six things that just came to mind. I was taking a walk. I was speaking them in my phone because they just came to me. So I'm going to tell you what those six things are that I think are important to do when we reflect and determine how to handle important issues that are happening in the world. The first one is to be well-informed. If you are going to post on social media or try to talk to people about your views, just just be well-informed. Okay, I'll come back to that in just a second. The second thing I listed is many people's beliefs are not black and white. And so when you're trying to talk or post and you're so far in one direction or the other, it's very difficult to connect with people because many people's beliefs are not black and white. The third one I put is make sure that you really deeply reflect on why you feel the way that you do. I shared my story of my mom. I asked you to reflect on your your past and what you've experienced. So be sure to understand why. The fourth thing that I put is, would you consider yourself a spokesperson for this cause? So I don't know. I just wrote down a bunch of stuff on this. I hope it's clear. Uh, I wrote down things like, is this a passion of mine? And I was really writing this part to myself. Have I been called to talk about this? And I think that's a big one. Like I totally feel called to talk about and defend mental health issues. So, you know, I talk regularly about when I see uh like little signs and labels or jokes about, oh, I'm so OCD, that blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to be a big buzzkill or a big bummer, but but I won't say it mean, but I don't like that, 
because OCD is a very serious thing when it truly is OCD. And many people equate OCD with just having attention to detail and it it can give them some self-worth. But I feel passionate about that. So if it's a passion of yours, if you would consider yourself a spokesperson for this, let me go, this goes with this one and being well-informed. Make sure that you research on your own. So what I mean is whatever side of the issue you're on, don't just take somebody else's opinion or ideas as fact, even if they're posting links to articles. So yes, if you go to church, and and I do, and I listen to my pastor, but I also want to look at those things on my own. I don't want to just sit there and listen to my pastor. Don't just take a talking head as your source of information. So if it's a passion for years of yours, if you would consider yourself to maybe be a spokesperson on this topic, then, you know, back to the first one, be well informed. The fifth thing I put is know your goals when you post on social media or have a conversation. Are, if I'm writing something, like I have to think about my goals on this. What is it I want out of this? Um, am I trying to sway somebody's opinion? And I think that that might pertain more if I was talking about my views and trying to persuade you. So is my goal to persuade someone? Is my goal to support someone? Is my goal to condemn? Is it just to vent? You know, and all of those are valid, but try to remember what your goals are before you post something or engage in that conversation. And that takes me to the sixth one, which relates to all of this. And I'm going to say not the bad word, but the bad letter. No one has ever won someone over by saying, F you, if you don't agree. And this is really the reason that I decided to talk about this because my my strength is not going to be, hey, this is my view and this is what you should think. And it's just not, that's not, it's not something I feel called to do. But I do feel called to help women with their emotions and their mind and their mental health. And this is a time for us to come together and love each other, even if we have a different view. And I understand this is a big deal. This is not just like having a different view on whether, you know, capris or I have no idea what I'm talking about. Capris versus Bermuda shorts. I don't know. You see, I'm trying to pull out the most flip thing in the world as I'm sitting in the floor in my podcast closet, kind of feeling like I'm talking to myself. This is a serious, serious topic, but it's still not a time to tear each other apart. So protest, voice your opinion, get involved, write things, talk to people. But I truly believe that if you'll do those things that I said before, let me say them again, be well informed, understand that many people's beliefs are not black and white, Um, understand why you feel the way you do, ask yourself if you would consider yourself a spokesperson for the cause. Um, Number five, be sure to know what your goals are before you talk or write. And then finally, remembering no one has been won over by saying Things like F you if you don't agree or unfriend me if you don't agree. If that's your goal, then I guess that's fine. But I'm assuming that if you're passionate about an issue, then you're trying to talk about it in a way that people will hear you. You know, I am a Christian and I try to follow some of the fundamental principles and that's love and compassion and showing grace. And 
I'm not trying to pat myself on the back at all, but I am just not going. I'm just not going to yell at somebody or say ugly things to somebody if they don't agree with me. So it's okay even to express your anger. It's okay, I believe, but not at the expense of another woman, especially Listen, women on both sides of this topic are oftentimes hurting. And that's what bothers me, too, is that as we look at this issue and the legality of it and the morality of it or whatever you want to, to, to say, at the bottom line is a woman. And oftentimes it is a woman who is hurting, like my mother, and is having to make a very difficult decision. So I hope that I said some things that were helpful and not offensive. I hope you know that I love and care about all of you. And I hope that I made some sense through this time together. So thank you for spending a few minutes with me. I will put a few links in the show notes. Uh, Michelle and I will be back at some point to talk about what's going to happen or not happen in the next season. Um, I just don't know. But if you have any feedback on what you would like to, to hear, throw it in the show notes or on the Facebook post or wherever you would like to do that. So thank you again. I hope that you will send some comments, even if they're not in agreement, as long as they are done in love. And until next time we are together, consider yourself hugged.